0: welcome to combat thoughts i'm robbie i'm lee and i'm alex we're going to take a deeper look at the culture and philosophy behind martial arts hello and welcome to episode 66 of combat thoughts this week we're speaking to john hathaway John is a British UFC fighter, he is a catch wrestling world champion, and he runs Umbra Gym in East Sussex. We speak to John about uh, the challenges he's faced with the UFC and uh, his health and the way he's managed that. We talk about his journey and how he got into the sport in the first place, Uh, and we talk about his goals and um, his opinion of grappling in the UK. So I hope you enjoy um yeah well look normally what we do is we um start at the beginning of people's either like their martial arts journey or like um if there's relevant stuff beforehand you'll know better than me like sports or stuff that yeah. influenced you growing up so I'd ask you, like, where you start, like, where you think is relevant to start, and we'll go from there. And whenever we find interesting (coughs) stuff, we'll just riff off of that. If we don't do the full story, it doesn't matter. We'll just find interesting shit to talk about on the
1: way. But I mean, no, I mean, for me, I guess, uh, I mean, I came always from like a a rugby background. So I was kind of always used to a bit of rough and tumble, kind of playing rugby. I obviously had two older brothers and stuff like that growing up. So carried on playing rugby. And I think I was probably like 14 when I first saw. Uh, it was actually a UFC. I think it was on um, was like the UFC kind of unleashed. Where it was, it was not necessarily a fight card, but just a bunch of like highlight fights put together on like an hour episode on okay. Sky Sports. It was at this point. So it was before it kind of went to Satanto and now BT Sports and stuff like that. So it was originally on Sky Sports, just as like an like unleashed episode. But um, I think I saw it when I was like fourteen. It was like that was kind of really cool. Then kind of like try to find. Some videos again we didn't We really have like i guess the internet was around but it's not like you could watch stuff on the internet for it i remember the, the, one of the first kind of sites i went to was a uh, bjj.org and it was like literally just still for it, uh picture frames with like written descriptions next to it and that was the best you got you didn't get any like actual video footage or anything it was just pictures and girlfriend i remember again being in like my it class in school just like searching this stuff up trying to find uh techniques and moves into some yeah. rogue forums and like... Yeah, just going to some rogue forums. I mean, I'm probably doing the forums, but yeah, I mean, there's sort so of like underground forums and stuff. Because again, it was it was so much more, I guess, underground back then on, on people following it rather than being mainstream. So yeah, I, I kind of, I guess, tackled martial arts pretty much as, as a straight thing going into MMA rather than like coming from any particular background of like doing boxing or doing jujitsu. And again, you didn't have jiu gyms too much back in them days either. Yeah. But, yeah,
0: It's that's a real classic, um, like as a real classic, like start, like origin story. It's either, um, martial arts films and like Bruce Lee and stuff, or it's like bootleg UFC (laughs) DVDs that you weren't meant to watch but you found from somewhere. (laughs) These are like the two classic stories inspiring in the on...
1: On their Sky Sports, and it's, it's on VHS, and he's yeah. burned it onto another tape. But now I've got the tape, and I'm watching it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going into over
1: something his dad did, or something going like
0: going into like dodgy sex video shops that, for some yeah. reason, also sell UFC
1: videos. <laughs> just because those things go hand in hand, isn't it? Of course. So the the big underground taboo of what fighting used to be kind of thing, and again, it was yeah, just that madness rather a mainstream thing. But I mean, I managed to what did I do? I think I ended up picking up like a a black Belt magazine or something like that from, um, I imagine, the little kind of like samurai shop in town, in Bryantown. And then uh, from there, I managed to basically get hold of some VHSs. And it was a it was Black Panther production. And it was Mark Kerr's, I think, Wrestling for Valley Tudo and Bass Rutan's Pancrase. Oh,
0: I've heard of this. This is like the, the old version of like BJJ Fanatics. Yeah, almost. basically.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I think the majority of them, like, those were the only two which basically had anything to do with with MMA. Rather than all the rest were like, oh, Wing Chun and all traditional martial arts stuff. Robin. these were the only two which were like, okay, like, this is MMA. So I end up uh, getting them. I think for my birthday, just started watching them, wrestling them, like, basically doing kind of combat with uh, my friends in school and my brothers. So I didn't actually, for a good, I guess, two years, probably didn't go to an actual gym, just did stuff with, with my friends and kind of learn how to do arm bars, knee bars, I guess well, heel hooks, because they were they were involved in it, so.
0: And why? So you were a kid who'd been doing rugby and you just found yeah. some UFC stuff and you were like, that's my shit.
1: Yeah, I was like, I want to find UFC. You
0: just, anything inspired just, you for it or you were just like,
1: I no, guess, just just I guess, I mean, uh, one, of, one of the first fights I kind of saw was, a." Uh, BJ, uh, BJ Penn versus Dean Thomas, mm-hmm. which was just a, a super cool fight, and yeah, I just I was like, I, I want to do this. I want to fight in the UFC. So that was the kind of like I guess road that started me trying to do it. Obviously, I kind of like I guess went towards uh, like wrestling and grappling slightly more than the, the striking side, just because it, it was an easy transition over from uh, from rugby. Mm-hmm. But I was like always like boxing as well. So and then, yeah just to start my journey, and then yeah, eventually I found. Um, I mean. <laughs> After doing it in school, a fair bit. I managed to get uh, my PE teacher we had to, for GCSEP, had to teach a class. And you could teach it on anything you want. And I was like, I want to teach an MMA class. So he says, okay, you can do it. I brought in uh, my first kind of, I guess, MMA gloves that I had were actually like off to, like the old Bruce Lee um, gloves from is it Enter the Dragon. You know where he's like, they're like fingered gloves. They're like big. They're horrible. I've still got them. All oh, right. horrible to get hit by. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, not really good padding on it until like almost like horsehair kind of padding, but they're fingerless gloves. And I had them and then uh, just got like the real cheap kind of like shin guards, you know, like the slip on white shin guards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that. Again, now you you just wouldn't, you need some more padding on, on shin horrible. guards nowadays yeah. rather than that, but it's terrific. So I literally had a, a pair of them because, again, I've been kind of doing stuff with my brothers in the garden. I then brought them, in, taught my class. Which was, was good. We thought arm bars and stuff. And then uh, we managed to get some kids sparring at the end, which is just hilarious. I can't believe we get can't believe the teacher let us do this. Yep. So I come through and one kid got kicked in, in the nuts that made him cry. And the teacher kind of let it still happen. But yeah, it was, it was a good class.
0: When would this have been? Uh, so have been? I
1: would have been 15. So that would have been what, 15, like 19 years ago?
0: Y- yeah it's pushing it a bit I can see yeah like you'd never get away with that nowadays
1: no but even then I was like hmm (laughs) I said we just had a a really good PE teacher he was a South African like ex rugby player for Sharks so he was just like yeah cool go for it just thought it was thought it was quite funny I guess (laughs) but (laughs) as long as he wasn't getting hit I mean I wouldn't want to get hit but he was a big guy as well so he was just entertained by a bunch of 15 and 16 year olds trying to beat each other up
0: Did you, did you inspire anyone else to get started, or
1: was this uh, purely you? I guess, uh, funnily enough, my, my friend Matt Dickens used to come over when we, we finally did start. So after, after that, or just before we kind of left school, we found out about Sol Gillard's place. And it was over in Peacehaven at the time, so it was a ZT fight school. Mm-hmm. And um, he used to come out with me. I guess we were 17 because he was driving then. So it would have been after we left school, but he used to come out with me over that way. So Dickens Dickens came with me. I mean, he was, he was one of the, the rugby lads anyway. So he was kind of, again, used to go run and tumble. He enjoyed it. Kid can still do arm bars and kimuras. So still knows how to uh, how to grapple and do stuff. Because mm-hmm. we, we did it and learn it at that age. I don't think he's ever going to be able to not do an arm bar or a guillotine or a naked choke. Some of the, the techniques what we were kind of doing back then.
0: Yeah. So is that your first sort of formal training, finding that gym? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so going to CT plus was my first kind of uh, formal training, which was good. Again, uh, Jack McGee was the jiu-jitsu instructor there. Mm-hmm. So he obviously has incredible jiu-jitsu. So yeah. obviously was the, the kind of MMA coach, and Ryan White was also one of the coaches there as well.
0: Not familiar with so, Ryan White, but Jack McGee, I know.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, got out there, and that's uh, where I met Alex Backhouse as well, who's obviously a really good strength and conditioning coach for kind of combat sports as well. And uh, He was training, so we did, did some Muay Thai and stuff with him. Yeah, it was, it was just a good gym. Obviously, it was a pain in the backside to get up, out to Peacehaven and stuff like that, but I had a good facility. It was an industrial state. I remember we did, like, it, <laughs> this is back in the day as well, where a lot of MMA stuff you end up doing, and I remember Seoul won quite a few of them as well, but they were, like, odd where, like, you couldn't strike to the head and stuff. So it'd be, like, and they would basically be, like, grappling, but you could punch to the body, which is just, like, super weird rule sets where, like, I don't know, like, when MMA first started coming up, people were like, oh, I don't really want... This, this show to be going on, but I'll let you do it if you just don't strike the head. So we yeah. did like a little amateur tournament in there with no head strikes.
0: Even nowadays, you get a lot of stuff like that. I remember, um, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago. It would have been like 2017. Um, I remember people talking about it. They couldn't get a cage licensed. But if you yeah. put it in a boxing ring, well, absolutely totally fine. fine. What the fuck? People are just going to, like...
1: It's worse. It's like, worse. I just, it's just this mattress. People are going to get driven out of the ring. You get people getting thrown out of the ring and stuff, yeah. falling out of the ring from a double leg and stuff. So, But they don't have that, that bad connotation of like, it's a cage. It's cage fine. We don't want this. You know? And I think, I guess uh, it was just odd. Without, uh, it's very strange trying to do MMA without head strikes. Because again, when you're in mount, you're basically covering most of someone's chest. So you've got his like, or his stomach, you know? He's <laughs> got like a tiny bit of chest to try hit and he can just hold his arms over it. Was makes, that one of the reasons uses.
0: you started leaning towards grappling or was grappling just a gut feeling beforehand?
1: I think grappling was just something I just, just took to pretty well. Same like, with, with the wrestling side of things. I think once I started doing it, I just enjoyed wrestling a lot. I enjoyed grappling a lot. So it's something what you can kind of do, I guess, more day in, day out without kind of getting bust up and bruised. I know you still get hurt and bust up and bruised yeah. from it, but rather than say if you're boxing every day, you'd be like, oh, like, you know, you have a bad day in a, in a striking department, you definitely know you've had a bad day, right? You can have a bad day and be like, oh, okay. Just come back rest tomorrow up, and rest up tonight and I can come back tomorrow, kind of thing. So there's definitely something, wrong. I guess I, I did more. So,
0: so your training, so what, what, what was it? Z, ZT?
1: Yeah, ZT 5 School. ZT 5 School. Bro- it says over P7 and then we followed that because he eventually moved from P7 to Vine Street in Brighton. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, it was, I guess it slightly closer location but it was like a, a small like almost dungeon gym which is uh I guess quite cool but one it was where you're, you're sparring and you literally take one back back step and you like bump into your your partner behind, like another pair behind you and stuff but it was good so that's where I met um Raph as well Raph mm-hmm. was teaching down there or like training down there and started teaching as well so I got to meet him and start training with him as well and was the, the wrestling instructor. So I had a Polish wrestling instructor down there as well. So I started wrestling with him. You're kind of, guess. Where I, yeah, Martian, Polish. So, yeah, That's where I started picking up my my wrestling as well a lot more. And yep. yeah, it's just just a, a cool gym. Good, good bunch of guys.
0: Uh, and were you already competing at that point?
1: Uh, no, I don't think i just started competing until they moved to Hove. So, I mean, I kind of, I did a, I'm trying to think of when I actually did it, my first, I had a Gi Jitsu tournament. Mm-hmm. Which I believe, basically, this is how I got my purple belt because they, were, I think Ivan was just basically like, you can't compete in a, a white belt or blue belt category. So he was like, you have to have a purple belt. You can compete in purple belt category. Yeah, and uh, I was against two guys, and I, I think I straight footlocked both of them in the end. And so I didn't really like you it because it's just a nightmare of people holding onto and uh, <laughs> it's not it's not letting you do too much or move too much. I kind of like it because a bit easier. It's a bit more free flowing.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's natural, isn't it? it was the the grips you can get in gear it just slows it down so much.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's good in a way because it's, it's such a, a technical thing and stuff, but I know no grips. I basically wrestle the same way I wrestle in a gear and a no-gi, so it doesn't really matter for us. Uh, I mean, yeah,
0: I, I still I still can't deal with grips, and I'm this many years into right. jiu-jitsu, and I'm not a purely no-gi guy. At least you have a good excuse for doing no, no-gi only. I... Uh, don't, and I'm still not used to grips. So yeah, I can relate to that.
1: But it's, uh, it's just the most frustrating thing when someone's got a grip and you literally can't clear it. I'm like, how do, you, how do, you, how do I get this guy off me? Like, he's got my lapel, or he's got my sleeve or something. Sorry, I just can't clear a grip. But...
0: So what about UFC, or MMA competition, rather?
1: So I had, I guess I did obviously the first one in P7, which was the no head strikes. Then I think it was probably like a, a year... To a year yeah about a year to a year and a half after, we did a in-house kind of amateur tournament which was done at the hove CT. So it was like an upstairs room where um the kind of dynamic yoga is mm-hmm. behind hove station that's where the old zt parts could always be and we did a amateur tournament and again it was quite a funny one i guess because that, that was with Ted tracks so although it was an amateur tournament you had bigger gloves on shin guards on it was in in the cage in in the gym but it was quite cool because it gave that i guess that more fight environment where people didn't necessarily buy tickets, but you had teams in there to watch the fights, other opponents to, want to be in the fights as well. But again, you kind of, I guess back then you still had like a bit more, there were a lot of more traditional martial artists, dudes. It's like, you know, he he wants to do MMA, he's, he's done a little bit of MMA training, but you know, he originally comes from like a kung fu background so he has like more of a kung fu stance it's that like weird thing of like it, it reminded me of you know, like the early UFC kind of stuff yeah where they and list then, the fight styles yeah, and like, like it's this one this versus this that style. one but like you actually see him and like they have that kind of like fight style do you know what I mean where it's yeah. like open hands like stretched out kind of like tai chi kind of style and you're like okay but I, I guess kind of like no one could really grapple too much still back then again there wasn't too many jitsu places so no one really knew how to grapple so I just got my takedowns a lot of the time and I've got an armbar or an choke from a little bit of ground and pound, rolled over, kind of finished the matches from that. So I did that, and I think... I want to say it was probably three matches in that day. Did that one, and then I managed to get a... When I was 18, so it was before I turned 19, I managed to get a semi-pro fight booked in. And then we ended up just turning that pro because it, it kind of didn't make any sense for me not to do it as a pro. I wasn't doing amateur. I was like, I know I didn't have words. It was basically exactly the same as as a pro fight but no elbows it's the same club same everything I was like well what's the point we might as well I know he could elbow me but I could also elbow him so (laughs) we might as well do a pro fight so I managed to get two pro fights in before I turned 19 so I was still 18 when I had my first two pro fights
0: it's quite early it's
1: quite cool yes so the first one was in the Copthorn Hotel in Crawley it was and then the next one was in Bracknell Leisure centre that's quite cool (laughs) your
0: mma fights in leisure
1: centers i just just like they've got like the the rack seating in or whatever and it's like you know they put the basketball hoops to the side that's it and you're just doing it in a, in a leisure center yeah uh, well, so And what, what were they I mean, like were they i mean there were cool fights the first one was really quick it was against one of tom watson's guys yeah you know, I, I just hit, hit take down Ground and pounded, rolled over, green naked choke. The second one was a was a tough fight against um his name was Wesley Felix. And that went to the second round. But I managed to secure like an armbar in the first round, which I think like broke his arm. So he was like fairly out oh, of it for the, for the second for the second round. Yeah, he kept going. So I <laughs> was ref, but didn't didn't the fight didn't stop. And then yeah, again managed in the second round get a takedown and get ground and pound. So kind of finish it. He's a tough but, guy. But, yeah, yeah, tough. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think I got blew my arms out loads as well, like trying to finish it, I guess, like squeezing his arm and uh, trying to put my hips into it. But I uh, no, this...
0: All right. Fair. Okay, so two amateur fights. Well, actually, you know what? They're two They're, pro
1: I, fights. So we did the amateurs now. we're on the Yeah, yeah. Patrols, yeah. This, two uh... pro
0: fights, yeah. Um, uh, You know what? They They do sound slightly more put together than... So a lot of MMA fights around that time, when they're not like UFC, cage warriors and stuff, when it's like just stuff that people are putting <sighs> on. I hear a lot of the time that those shows were a bit um, all over the place. They're a bit yep. wild. Like people just like running away at the last second or people stepping in at the last second. Um, like I was talking, to, uh, we did a podcast with, um, I'm going to butcher his surname, uh, Michael Guia um if okay. you know him uh jiu-jitsu yeah. guy from around like andover area and he was saying about his first few mma fights and it was just like that people would pull out and they were just like filling it up with random other fights
1: yours yeah, they, sound... get like they get someone off off the, out of the crowd and be like there's anyone oh, want to fight we go we need an opponent some yeah yeah and then, be like yeah I'll, I'll do it and then
0: they'll just make up rules on the spot for like they're yeah. like oh I, i'll grapple but i won't won't strike <laughs> or some weird stuff like that yours sounds slightly more put together
1: I guess I mean you'd always have that one because I've I i can not remember when, but I started fighting in the uh in Ridge contenders, which is a decent show. It was in, in the Troxy um up in East London. Yeah. And it was actually a good show, but you'd still have like that weird stuff of like people doing like, oh, you know, I'll I'll take my own hands and uh it would be like tape just putting like duct tape around their hands you know like, okay man and then one guy's like oh, i don't have a box he'll be like sharing someone else's box like and the guy finishes his fight he takes the box off and puts it down his shorts and then goes up for his one you're just like all right <laughs> like that's not gonna get prepared i'm mean, I surprised people probably yeah, there's probably fights when people didn't have gum in and stuff like that Yeah. you just get weird weird weekend worries as well it's that same thing i remember um on, say the second fight which in the Bracknell Leisure center i remember jeff hayes was fighting a guy and jeff was over like, big, strong guy, like not necessarily the best combat guy, but like a, a unit of a, of a guy and a gym head. And he was fighting some guy who was like, I don't know why he'd want to have a fight, really. Like, I guess, a little bit tubby, way like undersized, like blue mohawk, and just got obviously like obliterated like, straight away. Just like, why? <laughs> I just wanted to see F- they do to, you know, why <laughs> here kind of thing. But as said so you just had that kind of a weird mix of, of stuff in the time. I remember Paul Daly as well for on um, that set that show. Where I was on second my second fight, mm-hmm. in so he did a good kickboxing fight, I think it was against Nigel So it was good. I mean, it was just, back in the day. I mean, Paul was already kind of a a, a big name UK wise. one of the bigger names in the UK, like the the rough So It was him, um, Dan Hardy, and and Jimmy Warhead were yeah, kind course. of like making waves in the UK scene, and hopefully going international after that. Really,
0: yeah so was there anyone else big that you sort of um yeah i, I guess what what kind of influence do they have on you because you would have seen some guys obviously making waves i mean i mm. presume at this point you're only a couple of fights in so you're not really yeah. done enough to make waves yourself you're no, sort yeah, of getting no, there no
1: waves myself but i mean like so i guess was so as well was like one of the guess like the early pioneers of kind of um uk mma his final K Drace. So K race drace is a decent show. You think he had like had some good fighters over, had international talent as well. Obviously, I had Melvin Manhoff, had Cyborg, had Curtis Stout as well, who's another American fighter. So and it ended up having Anderson Silver in it as well. Mm. So I mean it really did have did have some good good pull and was was a good show. David Ronald was always funny as well. So
0: Oh wait, did David Donald run Cage Rage? Yeah, David Donald ran Cage Rage. Oh <laughs> my God. Okay, right. So now I understand. Because I thought on um uh God, what was it? Um the amateur one between WCMA yeah. and
1: Yeah, so yeah, WCMA I can't remember it there. I can't, they, obviously they've gone off it warrior be, the, the it's warrior challenge and urban challenge or something yeah.
0: but I, I, I the amateur one i fought on and dave is a fucking character i <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> it's the best way to describe it, isn't it? <laughs> i think
0: he's i think he's amazing and i i i th- probably bring him up too much on these podcasts but <laughs> <Yeah>. just
1: <sighs> but so he was a pioneer again in, in uk evasive. like he was the one putting on the shows of the south like all the time like and going down and doing like a, an amateur scene for it i remember he for a little bit, I can't remember what it was on, but he was doing like a, um, almost like a TV style thing where he would like go to a gym. Like, he would be like, oh, we're going to go train with Jake Boswick today. And he's building up to a fight on the next cage Rage, And it's, he's against this and this is how he's training. And like, they would, they would get in. They would train as well. Get his like shirt on, take his, take his gold bling off and, and get on the mats and be like, oh, Jake's got great wrestling. And he's doing this and he can restrike on and stuff. He doesn't help the whole
0: um MMA fighter slash promoter image problem because no, I, no, I mean, he's,
1: he's, we know that we there's, there's a imagine. lot more
0: well-adjusted, well-adjusted guys. But Dave is not that. I mean,
1: no. it's exactly yeah. what people would imagine an MMA promoter would be like. I mean, it's like East End kind of. Lad. <laughs> like, All right, lads, I want to see
0: some violence. Just <laughs>
1: this is this is the other thing. When you were doing like you you'd you go up to like say Kredit's contenders, you'd weigh in and then like straight away weigh your hydrating he's like, right, we've got to do a like pre-fight interviews and pictures and stuff. And he'd be like, uh, say this, say this, you know, do 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 this and say that, or whatever, and like, say you say your opponent, you're gonna you're gonna knock him out, you know, and <laughs> just like <laughs> Just, just looking forward to the fight, it's going to be fine, you know what I mean? Just always be trying to, like, instigate you saying some, like, cool one-liner, like, put-down kind of, like, trash-talky thing. But He,
0: he must... Act, uh, I mean, whatever he's doing, he's doing it well. Because he's had mm-hmm. quite a few good names come through in his shows. I mean, uh, Johnny Walker's come through his shows, coming walking no. out as a stripper, hasn't he? Yeah. Um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, this is me you don't get through these things your see but the end you can do anything you want for your entrance you want to dress up as this and go out dress up this and go out you want this music up will put that music on for you <sighs> I,
0: I, I just i, I really enjoy it actually at the shows i think you could make a, I think you could make a tv show just about dave just following yeah. him around i mean
1: just following around in his stuff
0: yeah yeah i, I, I wonder years. if he's i wonder if he's really like that or if he's kind of like grown into this character
1: <laughs> he's like, I've, I've got to be more, more like this character. Everyone,
0: yeah. I am. yeah. Do you think at home he's like a really like he's a really calm, relaxed dude? And he's like, all right,
1: got to no, get it I on. Couldn't, <laughs> i couldn't, but Yeah, yeah. Showtime. Boom. Ready. Showtime. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't picture him being anything what he other than what he is. Do you know yeah. I mean? Yeah. But I feel like he, he's that intensity and everything while he's at home. So I'm pretty sure as well. His daughter used to um became like the MC in KJR Contenders, who so, used to as well. So she ended up like, I guess, growing up with it and having it in her life. And then eventually ended up being like, yeah, the the ring announcer for it.
0: Yeah, she's still involved, even in- Yeah, she's
1: still involved. Yeah. So just, I guess it's quite cool. But family's brought up in it. She's been around it long enough. She knows all the stuff, so.
0: Yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, so let's see. So you've had some professional fights at this point. You've been yeah. on- cage rage and stuff. Um, where is, I mean, obviously we have getting towards the UFC, but where, what, what comes next? Anything in between?
1: Uh, I guess not much. I mean, I continue to train when I started going. So I think when I was probably like six or seven fights in, maybe, yeah. Maybe more. Probably like seven, eight fights in. I end up going up to um, LA for a bit and do some training over there. Oh, cool. so I went to the original 10th planet, but it was it was 10th planet was didn't have its own gym, so it wasn't like a big thing at that point. I'm pretty sure there was only one 10th planet and it was run out of Legends Gym. Yeah. Legends Gym, I think originally was opened by like Battery and Tour and someone else, but wasn't run by them. I think mean, they just put the name to it and then, and then left. But again, it's where I met um, Dan Hardy was at there. So I got to meet Dan Hardy. We were training with the MMA team, which was, was kind of run by Dan and um, I can't the actual guy who ran the gym but him as well and then so we trained with the pro mma guys and then we'd do 10 jiu jujitsu in the evening and then we went over there for i'd say almost a month it was it was definitely like three three weeks three four weeks good training and yeah it just i mean obviously learned loads there got, got to roll with lots of other types of people as well rather than just kind of like the same people down down in my little training area and then um came back off that and i fought on actually got on the main show of Cage Rage. So I'd just been on contenders before that. And I imagine that was my probably my ninth or tenth fight. And then won that and then basically up I got to like ten and O basically. And that's when I like the UFC would kind of accept people rather than I kind of you just need a good following now and a bit more to be a good fighter, but you needed to like actually have like a ten and O record before getting onto UFC back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I got that. And then uh I believe they I went to Florida to Coconut Creek and trained an American top team as well for Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks. Again, good experience training with their pro team. I think that was through Gus had uh, the connection with the guy running an American top team. So we went over there with him. Me, him, and Ivan trained over there. Again, got good experience. Got to get hands-on with like some really good names like uh, George Madsville was over there. Um, Chago Santos was there. Thiago Alves was there. I I didn't get to do any stuff with him. And Chaco Silver was there, so I did, did some stuff as well. So it was just good to get getting with some kind of big international people. People are fine on, on big shows.
0: So you you've, you've mentioned two times. Get, were there other times going over to America?
1: No, it was just, just those two times.
0: Because those two times, they're pretty short. But the fact that you're bringing yeah. them up and you're saying how important they were, quite short, but clearly fairly influential on you.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's was, it was good. Find the kind of template system, and also it's just, I guess, getting hands-on with like international kind of people, where you're like, you're like, okay, like I, I can compete at this level. Then, like, I know I can go up against people who I've sinned in, like, Pride and UFC and, and Dream. Uh, I can do all right with. So, so it's partly spurred a, me on.
0: So it's partly a confidence thing.
1: Yeah, I think so It definitely helped me. I kind of already knew I wanted to go that way and do it. So,
0: but then going and actually. Training
1: with them, you on, Yeah, definitely. Okay. So yeah, like, you know what level you're at then. So it was a good kind of mark of being like, okay, like, I, I, can, I can hang with these guys. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Do that. And then, yeah, got back from that. And then basically, um, Sol knew the guys at London shoot guys Because we'd, we'd gone up there training before. And it was where he originally came from in training. Mm-hmm. And then they'd got basically the, uh, got the deal sorted out that I could be in the UFC. Obviously, I jumped at the chance, it was the UFC over in Dublin, Ireland, it was. Mm-hmm. Against again another a young kind of up and coming Irish person who I imagine was probably at eight or nine and oh as well so a similar record to me and yeah we went over there and I kind of did that and that was just a, a high uh one round fight we kind of just both went at each other and I managed to get get top position and just get ground and pound and, and get the fight finished so again good first UFC experience it's a good pause yep. I guess going over there we we were kind of like I guess. Because we were the, the young ones, we were kind of thrown up on the, the main, I guess, stage. We weren't on the main card, but like we had to do all the interviews and kind of go through all the press stuff and kind of get that exposure, which is quite good to kind of get used to doing.
0: Was um, that a bit of a different experience then?
1: Um, certainly yeah, you didn't necessarily have to do that. or well, I didn't have to do that at any of the other shows. Okay. Before, rather than having to I guess do like press interviews and stuff was a, a kind of bit of a change. One of the things what you see when you start watching you see but you don't necessarily think you're going to have to have to actually do.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. Oh. Did you find? Oh,
1: sorry. Can you see My dog is rolling around moaning. Oh, it's just in the background. dog. <laughs> I
0: don't know what that was. Um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Sorry. What was that? um So. Oh fucking! I've lost complete. Lost my train of thought there. um sorry. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. No, so how did you find doing it? I mean, were you okay talking public at that point? I mean, did you have to get used uh, to it?
1: I, I mean, I, I, it just takes a little little while to kind of get used to it. And you just, yeah. You just talk. It's always like, like I've, I've said this before, it always feels like, you know, like your are uh, Ricky Bobby doing an interview with like, oh, I don't really know what to do with uh, my hands. And just <laughs> up, or like, just like, kind of, you say something, you kind of finish your thing, and you're like, so that's all i got got to say, really, about it. You <laughs> know, like do you want do you want more because they kind of always like you know they're looking at you like keep talking you know what, what you got to say but like don't really have anything else to say afterwards so
0: yeah uh, i was actually wondering about that because i had a look at your um uh interview after diego sanchez right and you're very polite and you're very well spoken versus a lot of the ufc guys which are like yeah i'm gonna call this fucker out and <laughs> this guy sucks and i want yeah um did you ever get any, like, pressure to talk smack about people? Anything like that? I guess it's
1: definitely, like, not not in the UC, but obviously we had this, I had this in, in like, the kind of cage rage contenders and cage rage days with Dave, and, like, you know, say this, say this, and then say you're going to smash them out and stuff like that. And I was just like, nah, I'm just not going to say it. I'll just speak the way I'd normally speak, I guess. <laughs> Which is, again, like, a, I guess slightly nice might just be like, why would I call someone out? I got i kind of fight anyone Doesn't they don't need to call people out. And it's all going to be, we're going to do it when we, we get in there rather than like talking about it now. Mm-hmm. So and then I just, just carried on with, with how I was normally and in, into the UFC doing it. Yeah.
0: And on the Diego Sanchez bit, well, actually maybe tell me if there's someone before, but Diego Sanchez is obviously a, bit of a legend and at the time yeah. would have been a maybe not so much now but at the time obviously would have been a slightly more scary prospect to get I'm in with. Saying, i mean
1: i remember obviously we we all watched the ultimate fire one the first couple of ultimate fire series were, were amazing tv series we watched that you see him throughout all of that winning that as well at middleweight and um yeah i mean he obviously was an intimidating kind of scary person the nightmare was at that time a very intense person obviously that was when he was doing like yes cartwheels and stuff like that and just uh it was just <laughs> he had laser like focus and was just uh, a yeah, pretty intense
0: how did you feel going into that?
1: I felt confident again I, I we'd sparred good southpaws and stuff building up to that I had people who could wrestle I, I considered better than Diego people who could strike better than him so I kind of covered all the bases on on having better, better training partners in each in as a as a whole but in each kind of like Mm-hmm. individual discipline than what Diego could do. I mean his grappling is is really good as well. he's back like, level grappling and stuff. So we had has some decent one. We had Papo Pavovic in for a little bit. And I just needed to again avoid the takedown, I was stay standing or or get on top and strike. Yeah. But a he was an intense guy. I remember being uh, in line for the weigh ins and him just being behind me, just like jumping up and down, shouting yes, and you just like that. <laughs> it's, intense like (laughs) grieving behind me i'm I'm just not gonna turn around because again
0: i i I like the contrast of characters because you're quite calm really in comparison like very much in comparison you're you're quite calm and you're quite together whereas diego i get the feeling that he's erratic Maybe you might be a word for it.
1: It's probably the best way i said it. He's literally right behind me at the queue and you're just like, oh God, this guy is like (laughs) already like intense and jumping up and down and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know how he'd do that anyway because a lot of times you're you're a little bit tired from the weight cut and you're just like, all right, just get weight in. I can rehydrate and stuff. And he's like behind you just be like, yes, yes. Jumping up and down. You're like, oh God.
0: (laughs) I find that he keeps the energy up even on a
1: water cut because... Yeah, even on a water cut. Just still just exactly like he, he is normally. All right, because
0: again, I- I've only done one like day before water cut for a fight, and I remember trying to weigh in, and I remember like I got on the scales, I saw the weight, I got off again. They're like, "Hang on a second, like we need to actually check it ourselves." I was like, "Oh yeah, fuck right, yeah, so get on so there." said something to me, I'm like, "I have no idea what's going on. I can't uh, imagine someone having the energy to just be like, oh, I don't yeah, know."
1: I'd say every normally is just that slight bit of a drag when you when you're slightly like dehydrated, but yeah, being being that tense. While we're
0: on the subject of the Diego interview and stuff, um, I mean, obviously you brought up the fact that Diego's got brilliant grappling and you actually in that same interview mentioned that at the time British guys were kind of coming up and that there was comments about um, essentially British wrestling, wrestling, which to an extent still carried Stuff's changing, but to an extent still carries forward. I mean, I've not seen a British medalist in the, uh, in the Olympic Games at wrestling. No.
1: Since no, no I don't know where, yeah, it'll be a while before we, we do see anything like that. But ideally, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Hopefully, hopefully soon. Bigger in this country.
0: Yeah. But why do you think it is that we can't wrestle? Why are we shit, is it?
1: I think so many, <laughs> obviously, so many other countries, whether they be Eastern European kind of countries or, um, or America and stuff, obviously, they just start wrestling from such a young age. I mean, we have, we have, I guess, to a certain, like, boxing is probably our, our main combat sport that we do. And although we don't say schools anymore, like, kids start young in that, that sport. And you can see that when it comes to, say, the Olympics, and our, our boxers are normally always of a, a good high caliber. So it's the one kind of, I guess, combat sport that we, we do actually produce good boxers. And it's because we've had it, like, socially involved in our country for a very long time. And the other countries that normally lead the wrestling side thing is is the exact opposite but with um, not the exact opposite, but the same thing, but with wrestling, you know, like the Americans wrestle from very young, the eastern Europeans and uh, middle Easterners wrestle from a very young age mm.
0: yes, of course, mm. uh, see I always find it interesting that we're see all of this makes perfect sense, and you know it's it's the obvious answer for why we're bad at it, but it always puzzles me that like we invented catch wrestling like hmm. 150 years ago and then somewhere along the way we just like, stopped doing
1: it exported it to other places and then just stopped yeah yeah right so, it's, so, it's, it's, it's one of the weird things that makes no sense
0: i, I don't I, I it always bothers me. i'm like why couldn't we have just kept that it would have been really yeah. cool and and now like I don't know. I, I would love to see a catch wrestling resurgence. I don't know if it's happening. I mean, obviously, Snake Pit are putting together that brilliant competition. Yeah. And you're teaching catch wrestling and a few others around, but there's not exactly many around the country.
1: No, especially, I mean, it's, wrestling definitely seems to be a lot more popular up north with, with places teaching it and, and doing it, actual kind of like competitions you can enter. Mm-hmm. So that would help. Uh, I think it would help a fair bit down, down south if we actually had wrestling competitions you could enter more frequently because it would push the uh, people actually coming and doing classes to get ready for competition rather than... Generally, you have to just do jiu-jitsu competitions. So everyone just does their jiu-jitsu. And there's not the wrong stage of doing your jiu-jitsu, but it would be good to get more wrestling involved.
0: Yeah. What was it that drew you to the... Because obviously you've won Snakebit a few times um, now. Yeah,
1: three times it is. Three times, yeah.
0: yeah. What was it that got you towards... Competing in that and being interested in cat wrestling.
1: Uh, I mean, I, I guess I was always interested in cat wrestling because I always like to say when I first started kind of like mixed martial arts, I always liked dressing. And some of the mm. first early books I got were cat wrestling books. So I got Farmer Burns's cat dressing and Matt Fury's kind of um, combat conditioning stuff. Obviously, Tony. Um, What's Tony's name? His surname name, old man Tony De Silva, is it? Oh, De- if you've De- ever seen him down oh, Yeah, yet. so yeah, he is a
0: Tony De Silva. So that could be it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, so old old guy is, and uh, again, he was at at the ZT Fight School when I first went there, so always speaking to him about wrestling and and catch wrestling was always something that I liked. Obviously, he was always wrestling with the Polish dudes because they could all wrestle and and grapple. And yeah, just just kind of fell in love there. The way I got, I guess, up to uh, the first snake pit was was Don Dylan. He basically was like, this is happening, I'm going to go up to it. Do you want to come? I was like, cool. And I managed to to get my name in the hat before um, they kind of closed off sign-in. Mm-hmm. so andrea kind of accepted me and then um yeah and then mid went up there and did, did the first show which is again actually a great one because they had a uh, they got josh barnett over for the super heavyweight and they had victor henry which is his like top student over for it as well so it was some cool like again some international kind of uh experience on it obviously i didn't wrestle either of them too but i know dom wrestled uh, victor henry as well which is cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I beat him with i believe a komora so what well, yeah probably <laughs> probably I'll i mean, yeah it was, it was it was all done driving up to the, the the cat wrestling up north in the snake bit
0: no that's fair uh, i i mean i am really hoping there's a sort of movement towards it because i know cat wrestling is a lot bigger in the us and i always find mm-hmm. it strange that well
1: there's the us snake bit as well and There's there's plenty of other ones like scientific wrestling Run it. there seems to be shows on like every couple of weeks see they do they have wrestling shows on constantly but they actually have cat shows now every couple of weeks it seems yeah uh, that's super cool yeah again, no, the I'm... more it happens in the uk i so one of the crazy things where it's now happening in other countries far more than it happens over here and yeah. i imagine they have a similar thing in, in japan because again they got a snake in in japan it's big in japan
0: ah see i find this funny about japan um that consider like um sakuraba yeah. um i find it funny that sakuraba was the gracie hunter so Jitsu, the japanese sport got exported to brazil and <laughs> so, developed there whereas catch wrestling the british sport apparently got exported to japan along with like the whole pro wrestling scene right. uh, if, what what a weird like interweaving right. <laughs> of styles and nationalities yeah,
1: there's it, the the jiu-jitsu killer even though it's where it came from and yeah makes no sense but it's super, yeah, super cool they've seen they wrestle well over there they've they got people on the international scene in freestyle wrestling as well so i mean they have a good tradition of, of just Good wrestling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping there's more of a movement towards it. So, you know, if anyone knows any catch wrestling things down South, please
1: mm-hmm. let us know on the podcast. Cause I want right. to see more. <laughs> we're going to um, have to start running it ourselves or doing something. Putting on uh, some shows.
0: Are you going to put together a competition for catch I'd wrestling? I'd
1: like to put something probably more like a friendly kind of interclub thing just for, to get people out and, and doing it necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily be worried with putting on a, a show at a venue or anything like that, but, not a show, Definitely, a show. saying like a like an interclub thing would would be really good, just to get us all wrestling and get our level up more. Mm-hmm. And then say we we can do like those interclubs and prepare, say for the the yearly worlds so at the Snake Pit, and then do a big kind of move where we we get our kind of southern style on and get up there more.
0: Southern style wrestling,
1: right?
0: Yeah, we can make that. I, I, I guess that's a good uh, one to go to as well because obviously you've got your own gym. How did that actually come about? Like well actually maybe take it back a little more because presumably you were teaching normally what happens is people teach somewhere else and then they're yeah. like i could do this
1: what what, yeah, just, what happened so, there i was teaching at the uh, the underground um after i kind of i guess I stopped fighting because of um my uc and stuff but i was teaching at the underground just to to make some money and again underground was run by Sol gilbert gilbert's After he stopped in zt fight schools and he carried on with like normal gyms and then uh, brought some kind of combat classes into it. So I was teaching the combat class there. And then, yeah, I guess my wife's a, a kind of fitness trainer as well, an osteopath. So she wanted to, she was into CrossFit. She wanted to open a CrossFit gym. And we just said, like, right, we'll we'll basically do this together. I'll, I'll run a combat side of it and you run the fitness side of it. And I mean, it took us forever to actually find a place. Originally, we were obviously looking around Brighton and Hope, but we couldn't change anything. To, uh, I guess delisting is what we needed. DLP, I can't remember, but we couldn't change the license in. Yeah, so We kind of fapped around for two years trying to find places. You would find a place. You'd go through the process of, like, can I change its license? Can't change its license, and you'd go on to the next place. So yeah, they end up wasting, like, two years with Brighton Council just being slow on returning anything. And then, uh, yeah, and, uh, in Stenning, which was, which was a great place again, but course, from Council, following I a lot quicker at getting back to us, but it was already a um, St. John's ambulance, so it was already under the right licensing. We got that confirmed technically, but it took like a couple of weeks to get it confirmed. And then, then we just opened up there.
0: Yeah. Uh, and what's it, what's it been like opening up your gym?
1: Uh, it's been good. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think My wife has to deal with, with the majority of anyway, but obviously I'm, I'm day and day out in there. It's kind of teaching and stuff. So it's kind of, what I find is almost, I mean, I remember this is, this, I've had this conversation with Dom, and it's what Dom's like as well, what it has a hard time with. It's hard almost to have a rest day not to grapple because you, you go and be like, oh, today's going to be my rest day, but I've got to teach two classes. And while you're teaching the class, there's like someone good to grapple with or something's happening. So you end up getting involved and then you end up being like, well, I've actually trained today and not had a rest day. So it's, it's hard to kind of slide in rest periods in it when you're teaching every day that yeah. again, wouldn't change it. It's just enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I get that. Uh, yeah. I mean, And it's obviously not in... If I was to pick somewhere to
1: open up a gym, I
0: probably wouldn't open it up in staining.
1: I'd definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'd rather pick somewhere else. I, said, I, said, I, I love the place now, obviously. But yeah, it'd be a lot... I imagine I'd be a lot more busier if I was in a more central place because it's a bit of a pain in the backside to get to. As much as it's, it's beautiful, it's a nice countryside. You can always hear the birds tweeting and stuff like that. And it's, it's nice being in the countryside, but yeah, it's, would be yeah, a but none way, of those so.
0: things are what I would traditionally associate with an MMA gym. Birds no. tweeting
1: and countryside. Yep. <laughs> so I guess we, we always like them stuff. I mean, when people find, I think, uh, when they come and, and train and uh, they kind of like what they're learning, they're, they're, they'll travel quite far. Because we every so often we get people from Eastbourne or, or kind of Crawley and stuff like that. So people will travel quite far, but mm-hmm. they just kind of need to initially find us and get kind of training and uh, experiencing it. So.
0: Have you had to push a lot on like the marketing side of things or have people just found you?
1: Uh, I guess people have found us. We've done some marketing things. I mean, neither of this is definitely not something what me and my wife are good at necessarily of uh, the marketing and, and pushing things, but we're, we're kind of slowly getting there. We're, we're building up our numbers. And actually, the nice thing about it is I think everyone who's kind of a member is someone I'd happily spend lots of time with. So we don't have any members that necessarily is slightly uncomfortable to be with rather than everyone, everyone who comes. Is, is just solid people and nice people.
0: Well, that's good yeah and if there are we won't mention
1: who they are there is none so it's always good I say, <laughs> any one of them i would happily go down to the pub with and, and have a pint with or go out with for for the afternoon you know mm-hmm. it was it was pretty solid even on the fitness side i mean yesterday we had our um our fitness side of stuff where we have like a there's a local running track we all just took some medicine balls over there did our 200 meters all together and then uh through the medicine balls. so it's, it's just a nice team vibe on on training we're we'll kind of improving, getting fitter and, and, and better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it's a really cool gym. I just always wondered how you kind of make it work in that, just the area, just purely yeah. regarding the area.
1: I mean, I guess the nice thing is well, we, we've got like on-site parking, which is massively helpful, because if we didn't have on-site parking, it means probably the neighbours would dislike us because there'd be people parking all all over the shop, yeah. <laughs> rather than at least because we've got that. Like, neighbours are always happy with us. We don't create too much noise or anything like that so i've never really had any complaints from neighbors was... yeah and
0: but and you clearly must be doing something right if people are coming from
1: yeah, yeah like distance quite far away
0: yeah yeah so that's cool as well um but you know you obviously mentioned that it's hard to factor in the rest days i mean
1: mm.
0: how yeah has that impacted your training substantially or uh
1: i guess i think I always take a rest day when I can. Like if if I'm planning to rest Monday, but someone good comes into Grapple, then I'll be like, all right, well, I'll try change up. I'll try rest either tomorrow or the day after, and I'll get my my good rounds in. You know, so it's, it's the same thing. Like when Dom Dom comes in on a rest day, it's not you're not going to rest. You're mm-hmm. going to get involved and, and get on Dom while you've got him over there. So you don't get don't get hands on Dom enough.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I, I kind of wonder in general as well. I mean managing your own training as well as training mm. other people i mean how do you find that
1: um all right i mean it's, it's more helpful i guess like we, we, sam didn't fight last night but he was building up to a fight camp so it was quite cool because we i could kind of like organize some of my training stuff to, to be on the same days as him so we could mm. do some good fitness stuff together or, or we have like our hard rounds together and i guess kind of like sync our training in a little bit even though i'm saying not building up to anything but he had something up to it, so we could both have like a a good point to kind of get to in a, in our training and together do it so yeah,
0: yeah and, it's, um, it's hard yeah no I, I imagine it is i mean oh well when was the last time you fought in the ufc
1: uh it was over eight years ago it was the last over time was eight in, years ago macau yeah
0: oh wow okay i didn't realize it was quite that long i mean
1: right. I okay, well, yeah seven seven or eight years so it's, it's kind of flown by that time i was really.
0: We'll, we'll come back to the gym bit in a second then how, how come it's been so long i mean i don't actually know your history
1: super uh, well so basically i end up i can't remember when i got uc but i basically got ulcer's class which is a kind of i guess form of Crohn's, but in the lower bowel like a large line and then kind of color on error. i got that and i kind of was managed to maintain it but i did end up having to pull out of i think it was three fights mm. it just kind of it just kind of rankled me a bit that i had to pull out of fights because always again it kind of would flare up at kind of like, I guess, the, the worst moment when you're you're training yeah. hard, doing, doing a bit of a weight cut, and you're coming into that, that final, like, two-week hard prep time. And it would flare up, and then I'd end up having to pull out. But it, it just annoyed me because it would always be, like, say, two weeks before I was meant to be fine. someone I felt bad for the – I guess I felt bad because I was ill and having to pull out. And also my opponent was two weeks out from a fight and then didn't have an opponent. So I decided after having to do it three times – i basically was like oh, i'll just take a back step i'll go through like the medications they want me to go because i kind of was staying away from um, the immune suppressant medication they wanted me to go on mm. so i was like right i'll just take a ideally a year off <laughs> and uh do the medication fix myself and then get back on and then i guess we just slowly went through different types of medication where they'd start working and it, all things like with the immune suppressants and i went on to biologicals afterwards which was done for an IV they will basically take a while, I guess, to work where you'll be like, okay, like you'd start your immune, uh, your immune suppressor tablets. They'd start doing like almost weekly blood tests on you to see how it's affecting your bloods. And then that would like lengthen out and be like uh, monthly. And they'd always take about three months to kind of like take full effect into your body. So you'd be waiting for three months and you'd be like, okay, like kind of like they're not making me ill or like some of them did make me ill not making me ill like i'm not getting a flare-up so technically i'm fixed and then say within a couple months of that i'd end up getting a flare-up again so the dose or, or the medication wasn't right and so we'd go through a, a different set of medication one of them i went through the immune suppressant medication i was taking basically wasn't being converted by my body into something the, the thing what they wanted it to convert into it changed into like i don't know two different substances and it was going more to one way than the other so they ended up putting me on a different medication on top of that one to make it block changing into what they didn't want basically okay so it's just a pain in the ass where I was just end up, you know, taking so many different kind of pills to kind of get my body to work right and then again they kept failing I kept hyper like because it's that hard thing of like you'd feel good for a while and then you'd just get another flare up while you're on it so you'd be like oh this medication's working this is okay I can kind of handle this and then Three months later, you get another flare-up. You're like, okay, so it's not working. And then uh went on some biologicals, which is basically uh, another thing. I mean, they actually made me feel really good for a lot of the time because they're done in a, an IV. So you have like an IV for an hour, then you sit around for an hour to make sure you don't have any adverse effect. And then I'd feel great for six to seven weeks, and then I'd feel a bit lame for a week, and then I'd have another one. So they did it like every eight weeks. Mm. So again, did that for a couple of months, felt good on it. And then again, eventually had a flare-up again on these. I think the the year end up having surgery. So the year before I had yeah before I had probably about nine months before I had surgery, I was kind of in and out of hospital every couple of weeks really. But like they put you on um which is a anti-inflammatory steroid when you're on this to try bring down the information in your in your bowel. So I'd be on that and it wouldn't be working. So I'd go into the hospital that IV it. So I'd be in there for like five days doing IVs, then it would come down. And I'd have to go back out on the oral prednisone, which would be like eight tablets. And then when I start dropping it, you're meant to drop it like every week, a tablet. And when I'd start dropping it, I'd have a flare-up again. So I'd have to go back into hospital. It's
0: pretty hardcore.
1: Go back on, <laughs> back onto like intravenous ones and back on it. So I spent like, I said, the last nine months just on these uh, steroids, which aren't good for your body at all. And uh, just going back in and out of the ammo in <laughs> hospital eventually had to have surgery. I uh, managed to get it done privately, which was good because I was kind of on the waiting list. And um, it'd be like Saturday would be surgery day. But if something else happened, so I'd be all prepped and ready to go. If a car accident happened, someone came in, I'd be pushed off the list. So that happened like once. And then I was just like, if I can, I'm going to try to go to private and manage to get it private. And then it was like within two to three weeks after that, I had my surgery, went under the knife, had my large bowel removed, had a stoma for... I want to say probably like six months I had a stoma before, like six to eight months, and then just had two other sets of surgery. So the initial surgery was to remove the large bowel that the stoma in. The second one was to make a J pouch, so like an internal pouch out of the end of the bowel. And then um, the last one was just to connect it all up, put the stoma back in my body. Damn. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot.
0: Yeah, okay, fair. I was not aware you'd been through
1: all that. <laughs> um, well, going, I did it all in, I think it's about eight months. So normally God. they're like a year between each surgery, but I was just like, I had a kid on the way. Like we'd already opened the gym, which was the other annoying thing. So we opened the gym and then like within like a month or two of the gym, I was like, I have to close my side because I'm I'm like always ill and happen to take kind of days off and I'm going to surgery. So we're just like, right, we'll just get it done as quick as possible. But I, I carried on teaching. I said, after I had my initial one, carried on teaching with the stoma. I had like a little um, protector I could put over it, which is like kind of a hard plastic protector. So I could still teach and grapple and do everything. And just kind of got back into I guess combat really. So you were school.
0: getting back to it straight away.
1: Yeah. It was that, so good. Yeah.
0: I mean, did we you manage did you manage to uh, were you able to train while you were going through all the the, the drug side of things, like pre-surgery?
1: Um, I was tra- yeah, training as much as I could. Obviously, I felt run down a lot all the time. I think I actually did my first cat dressing worlds like, a week or two after I'd got out of hospital for one of the doses, so I was still on prednisone and stuff for it. But so don't kind of give me the opportunity, and I was just like, oh, okay, I got to go do it, really. Yeah. I may lose, but it's a good experience. So,
0: Fair enough, yeah. mate. Yeah. And when did all that get kind of wrapped up?
1: Uh... Yes.
0: I guess not that, that long is, ago.
1: That is, no, no, so that's probably two to three years ago. I finished my surgeries and, and had them all kind of put back internally, or at least two years ago, I got back internal, And that's what have, where I've kind of like, I've been up in my training ever since. So now I'm at a point where I think I can, or I feel like I can hit an international scene or international level again in things. Right. Uh, again, I'm going up to shoot and training at other places. I, I kind of, again, know I'm back on that, that kind of level of fitness and capability, really. Right. Hence, Back in the ufc testing pool yeah or, i mean well, i never left, i never left the testing pool.
0: ah fine. So i've been
1: well, tested but the last eight years or whatever, so
0: oh really Well, even going through yeah. all that you were still yeah you're still just yeah, like I, had, I just want to be ready to go
1: yeah i mean they wanted to test me so I was, I was happy to be tested i was filled in my whereabouts so i'd again i'd have to fill in what medication i was i was on because technically i, I guess prednisone, when i was on that is a um fine in an out of competition state which i was but you couldn't take that while in competition. Well, probably. Or anyone. Probably any wouldn't more. want to you, be yeah, doing that anyway. You wouldn't want to, <laughs> wouldn't want to yeah. But, so this is one of those things. So I, yeah, I was on test testing pool. They'd be like, well, I mean, the annoying thing was, they'd be like, what medication you're on? And annoyingly, I was on like, for bits of it, I was on loads. So like, so I was like, well, this, this immunosuppressant. Yeah. <laughs> this, and, this, and the worst thing is, they've all got obviously like odd, complicated names. So I'd have to have like, I basically made sure I had it on my phone. So it's like, okay, this is like my list of like, eight different medications I've won which have all got like weird names not just easy ones but I mean again this is my nice, second post-surgery don't have to take any medication anymore kind of free to just be be normal right
0: so you in theory done like that's yeah.
1: I basically don't have UC anymore because I, I don't have a large mouth. so, <laughs> so, so it's, uh... fixed it yeah just chop it, it out just chop it out remove it take it away but I mean it's crazy because it's like there's something like five pounds of flesh is a large fowl, so it's, it's a fair chunk of weight. It's like over two kilos of just body just gone.
0: How much did it weigh? Whatever they replaced it with,
1: Well, it helped you make
0: weight? Any. Oh, there's nothing. I thought <laughs> no, it's just nothing. I just don't have a large fowl. Help you make weight?
1: Yeah, I'm two kilos <laughs> <It's just> <laughs> Um
0: So you, uh, that's cool though. you never left the pool. So you always in like going through all that you were never like oh no. fuck it i might
1: need to pack it in no I, mean, like I said they, they kind of they kind of let me just be like i spoke to him i was like i'm going to take some time off to try fix this and they were just like cool do do what you need to do take as long as you need and obviously i stayed in the pool because it i wasn't retiring per yeah. se so i was still in the testing pool just doing the testing and the guys that come down and do the testing which is a it's like an external company that that so, uh, you side of pay, so it's wider I think it's wider or whatever but they're always just lovely guys as well come down normally I've uh, my house or, or to classes and stuff I've had, had guys watch my class before because I couldn't pee enough or do <laughs> something before but, but yeah, always, that. always always nice guys so fair
0: and now you're so you're, now you're okay and you've been okay for the past Year or two, yeah. and you're back in the testing pool. So you are looking again. So now you're looking to get back in the cage, I guess.
1: Yeah, I am looking for AMA fight. I think like at the moment we're we in discussions with see whether I can get back on one of their shows or whether they're talking about maybe let me fight on a, another show. It's just basically like a, a build-up up. fight because they, yeah, tune up. they don't know what kind of level I'm at. So and they, they, much I'm saying like I'm cool, I can do any level. They, they don't know. It's been a, a long time kind of thing. So, which I'm fine with. I think that's
0: fair enough. I mean, I I, yeah. I, it, I do think it's kind of stupid when... I think it's stupid when people come... Like, comparing... I don't know. Compare, like, Ronda Rousey coming back mm-hmm. to fight Amanda Nunes was a horrible move. Nah. <laughs> versus, <laughs> no. Versus... I mean, even within the UFC, like... um. Dominic Cruz coming back to fight. um Who was it? He came back. The a Japanese fighter, I think. Um, yes,
1: came back, he, beat him, and then he went against champion. Who did he go? Was it TJ? Did he win against? It would have been TJ. Yeah, 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 it would yes. have been.
0: yeah. That was a much better move, right? Yeah. Like little not up
1: fight, boom, did great in it. Chance for shot the title.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, because if you don't, my me like voicing on it, no, I think it makes. Perfect sense. To, uh, no matter how good you are, you there's a certain uh skill to competing in general. And if you've not practiced right. the skill for a, a long old
1: time, you, you haven't been out on that big show yet. So yeah, you, not for like say eight years. It's, it's definitely a uh, different on the body. The body's going to be different for it. So but yeah, I'm fine. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to just trying to get out as soon as possible. Really
0: nice. All right. So no word on when or
1: who no, at, the not at the moment. Okay. Still just trying to trying to get something. Cool. Uh,
0: and, and the thing I partly wonder is obviously you've got your own gym that you own and you've opened up. Do you find there's a sort of problem, like a sort of conflict of um, focus almost? Um, because obviously you've got to focus on training your own guys. Yes. And if you're going to be on the UFC or some other show, whatever it is, you've got to focus on getting yourself ready. There's a bit of a balancing act.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't necessarily had to do this balancing act. No, yeah, but I said I've, I've got some very uh, good, capable coaches as well, other than me, obviously Brian Rowe and, and Raph Teach there, Pedro, Pedro, will be doing some stuff. So I'd probably when I actually find a uh, sign a fight, I'd probably take some classes off, give them to the other guys, just just in those last couple of weeks, put not it, so I can just focus more on on my competition. But I said I, I love kind of teaching stuff, and I, it's normally stuff that I like working anyway. So some some things that kind of again helps your mind uh I guess figure out techniques better and run through techniques when you're when you're teaching them. You have to break them down uh, to a certain sense so everyone can understand them and be able to do them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd I'd definitely take a little bit of uh, a step back and not do it as many classes when we're just getting into those final weeks. So I can actually just focus a lot more and do you want us to get more rested? So it's That's gonna be when you're pushing it <laughs> pushing it really hard.
0: Yeah, that is one thing I was thinking about. That's cool though. Yeah. Um so what are your actual goals from here? I mean, obviously getting back in the cage, but more generally, like
1: whether uh, it's the gym we'll,
0: or yourself.
1: Get the gym more busy would, would be amazing. Get more people competing. Definitely bring more catch wrestling shows and, and stuff down and stuff, or at least teaching cat wrestling stuff more. And then, yeah, if we can get some kind of interclub thing going and then eventually maybe some type of a uh, actual like show for some cat wrestling would be really good. I'd like to get more into some of the grappling things, probably next year. Like and maybe try actually get some higher up grappling competitions and, and grapple some good international kind of people, at least some some high level UK people in my weight classes, mm-hmm. and just yeah, just just get my start of, of wrestling and catch wrestling out a little bit more. And teach it more.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get that. Uh, and what does the UFC fit into your personal goals? I mean, are you trying to get high up in that now, or is that kind of why are you still in the pool? Because all none of the goals right. you said there were be the middleweight champion,
1: all right? Why I are you I mean, still in? Because I'm definitely not done with fighting. You know, mm-hmm. left on my, my last one was lost. I'm I'm under 20 fights, so I'm 19 fights into my career. I definitely want some more fights, and I think it deserves to be at like a a higher up show. Whether it not whether it not be the UFC, but like a higher up show rather than just some like fighting down the Bracknell Leisure Centre again. In my last couple of fights definitely what I or at least some more fights can't be like that type of level of competition. You know, they need to be on this on a bigger stage and it's, it's what I want to do. You know, granted I won't say now like oh I want to be the, the world weight champion, but you know it'd be great to try fight some some high names and get some good wins on the, on a big show. And then kind of I guess not necessarily up my ranking but at least put me back where where I kind of want to be. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Is it uh is it a testing yourself kind of thing, or is
1: it? Uh... I guess yeah. There's always been. I, I kind of just like competition, you know. I think it brings the best out of a lot of people, and and uh, it brings the best out of me when I, I can compete. And again, the harder the competition, the, the harder you got to go, and the better you got to be. We hope you enjoyed that episode.
0: If you did, please consider subscribing to the podcast and checking us out on YouTube facebook and instagram under the name combat thoughts we'll see you next time